Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Insects can help revolutionise agriculture. Now, a lot of the time farmers spend worrying about the impact of insects, but actually some little worms are helping keep plants safe from other pests and pathogens, plus ways to turn instocks into a commercial livestock, and the way termites are actually really helpful for sustaining our forests. When you're a farmer, one of the things that you're often battling, whether it be the rain, the weather, the environment around you, is also crops getting eaten by pests or destroyed by pathogens. And often the way that the farmers protect their crops is by using what can often be toxic pesticides. Now, finding a way to make those pesticides less toxic to the plants themselves is actually an important part of farming because you can use a really powerful pesticide that will kill everything, but if it kills your crop, then what's the point? And finding a way to make a pesticide that's really potent, but doesn't actually damage your crop or the crops around yours, is actually really, really important for farmers and the farming environment in general. So researchers from Boyce Thompson Institute have actually found an unlikely way to help boost the resilience of plants, the crops themselves, to the pesticides being sprayed on them, by getting giving the plants a boost and a helping hand from some very small worms. And this was published as a paper in the Journal of Philoptology by lead researchers including Merle Manohar and Professors Daniel Klessig and Frank Schroeder. And what they're investigating is the way a specific worm, microscopic soil roundworms to be precise, can help the plants resist pesticides with the help of a special pheromone that the soil-dwelling species of roundworms produce. Now, ASCR18 is part of the ascaricide family of pheromones and lots of different types of worms actually produce this and they use it for communicating to each other via chemical trails because when you're digging in the soil there's not many other ways you can't even see or talk to them so you have to leave behind chemical trails and that's what these worms do as part of their communication processes but surprisingly what these scientists have found is that this this particular pheromone ASCR18 actually has some pretty cool benefits for the plant's health as well. So the researchers treated different types of soybean, glycine max, rice, and wheat, and maize with dosing amounts of this small ASR18 pheromone. And then they infected these plants with a whole bunch of different types of pathogens and pests, whether it be virus, bacteria, fungus, or a semite. And basically, they came back a few days later to see how the plants fared. And when they examined them, what they found is, compared to the control, those plants that were dosed with this worm pheromone, ACR18, did substantially better at resisting and fighting off the pathogens when compared to the control of the untreated plants. The thing is, plant roots are constantly exposed to, in healthy soil, the activities of these worms. These worms are just chomping and chewing around underneath and leaving behind these chemical trails. So these chemicals are actually in healthy soil, sitting and residing there under the plant's roots. So actually seeing that the way that this is helping directly boost the plant's resilience to pathogens and pests is actually pretty impressive. Because often we know healthy soil means healthy plants, but how and why? And in this case, the actual mechanism can be tied to a specific pheromone. Now, Klesik and Schroeder have also previously shown that ASCR18 can help improve resistance against pests in tomato, potato, barley, and other types of crops. 
But by applying the same technique and study to rice and wheat, two of the biggest food crops for the world, that is pretty impressive. Especially considering that ACR18 provides a substantive boost in protection for rice crops against a common bacterium called Xenothermus oryzae, which typically can wipe out between 10 to 15% of rice production in a country when an outbreak occurs. And that's pretty amazing to think about. But when it comes to wheat, for example, ACR18 protects against a certain type of fungus that is one of the most devastating wheat diseases out there. So it's incredible to think that this little worm is producing, just as part of its communication to other worms around it, this pheromone that has such a substantive boost to the plants that it helps them fight off not one type of disease, but all types of different disease from different sources, from whether that be fungal infections to bacteria to different types of viruses. And that is amazing to think about the benefits that these worms are having just from leaving behind their little chemical trails. So there's some great research from the Boyce Thompson Institute published in the Journal of Diffology, which outlines the way that worms can really help save our crops and reduce our reliance on pesticides. From insects helping plants grow to another way of using insects to help feed the planet. And researchers from the Technical University of Munich, TUM, have been looking at ways to help feed and grow large amounts of insects and what exactly those insects need to have in their feed stock to help them grow big and strong and be farmed like just any other form of livestock. And they published this in the Animal Feed Science and Technology Journal. Now, when it comes to growing all kinds of crops, a lot of them actually end up as what's called a feedstock. And those crops are designed to help feed other animals. So when people talk about the carbon impact of beef or chicken or pork, what they're actually talking about is how much effort does it take to get and produce that cow or that chicken or that pig, and how much you need to make in order to feed them before, of course, we consume that meat. So finding a more and more efficient way to develop a feedstock in a sustainable manner is really important to help reduce the carbon emission content of growing certain types of livestock. And if you want to think about the most efficient sources of generating nutritious, fast-growing feed, well, you can't really go past insects because it can be an incredibly cheap and efficient source of protein. And they also decompose into all kinds of other residual products and a lot of people are looking at them as the superfood of the future but actually commercializing the production of a livestock such as insects on a huge scale is incredibly difficult as Windhelm Windisch professor of animal nutrition at the Technical University of Munich says anyone who hopes to keep animals pro professionally and on a large scale needs to know exactly what kind of nutrients they need and can consume and for insects this is yet to be determined so a research team of German and Kenyan scientists have been trying to figure out exactly what you need to do to grow and develop crickets and locusts to make it into a bug from a biblical plague even to a farm animal. Now in the wild, both species, crickets and locusts, feed on leaves. But 
giving an infinite supply of insect farms of large, fresh green leaves year-round is very, very difficult. You think about this another way. You need to feed this horde of insects and you need to keep them pretty healthy. And typically they only eat green leaves. So trying to find, transport and distribute a whole bunch of green leaves to these insect farms is a difficult idea. So what would you do? How do you feed these insects? So they tested, including researchers from the Center of Insect and Physiology and Ecology, ICIPE in Nairobi, they took two different approaches for feed. One of them they looked at dry feed variants, which were based off cornstarch protein and fiber-rich cowpea leaves. They also looked at a protein-rich soy extract and a vitamin-enriched carrot powder. So they tried to mess around with all these different kinds of feeds, and they logged the amount of feed provided to these insects each day, and then they weighed the excrement of the insects to determine how much these healthy adult insects actually needed to eat, to grow and to thrive. And what they were trying to get to here is the nutritional recommendations for growing grasshoppers and locusts. Because if you think about what we do for cows, we know how much grass or feed a cow needs. And we can mess around with that and improve that, give them boosts. But when it comes to growing insects and locusts and grasshoppers and crickets, nobody really knows. And that's what these researchers were trying to determine. And the results were actually very surprising to the researchers. It was clear that the metabolism and digestion are actually very different in insects than they are compared to animals like cattle, pigs, and chickens. What they didn't expect were immense, really, really species-specific differences. When you think about the differences between what you feed one type of cow to another type of cow, you don't really expect them to require different types of feeds in really specific ways. But in insects, that's certainly the case. Take a locust. It can process plant fibers that are indigestible by humans. Crickets, on the other hand, can't really consume fiber-rich foods. They actually just dump it straight back out. Locusts can grow pretty quickly when fed only on proteins, but crickets, they need starch in order to grow really healthy and strong. So all of these requirements are very different. It depends on the type of insect you're trying to grow and farm. Now, the scientists are turning their attention next to which type of enzymes are active in the digestive processes of these insects. And from there, you can think about ways to better engineer feeds that help them convert plant fiber into glucose so they can get energy and to grow. But these are the type of technical challenges that people who talk about using insects for food and for feed as the next wave of future products need to solve in order to successfully and on a large scale grow and farm insects. And that's what researchers from the Technical University of Munich and researchers from the ICIPE Institute in Nairobi published in the Animal Feed Science and Technology Journal. Chances are when you mention the word termite, you think of something that could cause your house to fall down around you. Because of course, termites love chewing through wood, and that can lead to all kinds of structural damage to anything that has a wood frame, like a floor, or your roof, or your walls of your house. Now it's not like the termites are out to get you, it's just what they eat. 
But outside, in the natural environment, termites are incredibly important parts of the ecological process. Their job is to turn dead trees into valuable organic matter, and then to spread those nutrients back out into the soil. And termite activity in the soils of wetlands can actually really help improve not only the soil structure, but also the nutrient content. And that's why researchers from the US Forestry Service have been trying to investigate ways to which to help termites thrive in different types of environments. Because the US Forestry Service also helps manage a lot of wetlands. And wetlands are a particular complicated type of area to manage. When you think about a wetland or a swamp, there's a lot of trees, but there's also a lot of water. And finding a way to help make sure that you can get those trees to survive and improve the health of the soils in these runoff areas is incredibly important for managing these ecosystems. And that's what researcher Deborah Page Domrose from the USDA Forest Service have been investigating at the Rocky Mountain Research Station in Idaho. Now, when a tree dies and decays, it produces organic matter. And this organic matter is pretty important for increasing the carbon content of the soil. There's more carbon in the soil and more nutrients. Well, then you get more microbes and other creatures, critters living inside the soil. And as we heard before, that can be pretty helpful for the plants around it. It also gives an important role back to the world around it by storing carbon and trapping it in the soil and getting it out of the atmosphere. But not only that, carbon-rich soil is super useful at helping filter water and prevent nutrients from running off. All in all, pretty important. And that's why termites play a really valuable role in helping keep that balance. But termites can't survive anywhere. They need the right kind of environment. So the researchers were keen to see if raising the beds into a raised bed environment would help the termites survive in what would otherwise be unfriendly territory for them. And they created these raised beds using tractors, and they mixed organic debris from the wetland floor in with mineral soil. And they made the beds at various heights. Raised planting beds are pretty important because they improve soil aeration, they raise the soil temperature, and they mean there's more nutrients available. And then they introduced some termites. The team placed lots of different types of wood that would be a good termite stack, and then they came back over a period of months to see how much the termites managed to chew through. Now, not all of these beds were super high. Some of them were flat, but others were about 30 centimetres tall. And when the team compared just how these wood snacks had been decomposed by the termites, when the beds were particularly high, they chomped through more and more of that snack, which means the termites were much more happy, productive and effective in a raised bed as opposed to the flat ground. And when the microbes were taken into consideration as well, and not just the termites, they found that there was more and more microbial activity, especially as you increase the bed height. But interestingly, in the soils around these termite, these beds where they were studying the termites, no termites could survive. They could really only survive in these specific environments, in the wetlands. And that goes to show that wetlands need some type of special soil bedding and forestry management practices to be used to help increase the ability for things like termites to be involved and champing down and dealing with dead trees. And this is great because it means that now forest management servers have another tool in their arsenal to help them better manage the forest and improve the health of the soils in these wetlands by helping all the creatures and microbes and termites survive in these difficult environments. There's some great research from the US 
Forestry Service published in the journal Soil Science Society of America. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. From decomposing forests to worms helping keep plants safe from pests and even ways to turn crickets and locusts from a hoard into a livestock. All this week we looked at insects and farming. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.